0: podcast here on the Everything Unscripted Podcast Network. Uh I am hosting this uh this uh particular episode tonight. Of course I am Doug Hummer. Joining me as always my beautiful baby brother Dan. How's it going? Pretty good. You were supposed to intro the show, weren't you? Like I took it from you didn't I? No, I don't you're good. Okay good. I don't remember. Yeah. Neither do I. That's why I just started talking. Uh and also because I never shut up, and uh, Eric's here.
1: How are you guys? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. I went to a, it. was went to a,
0: last week. Yeah. At least, at least I think so. You also only work uh, 45 minutes a day, so Jesus. And you work I eight hours a to day, though. A little bit, yeah.
1: I was trying to
0: get here on time. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm at work 50 hours a week. I nap about 35 of it. Uh, Make sure to play this Monday. Yeah.
2: Uh, (laughs) That's ready.
0: Rose puts it in the newsletter. Anyway, uh, so we are here to talk uh, Terry Funk. The uh, Terry Funk tribute show. Terry Funk, of course, passed away back on August the twenty-third, age of seventy-nine. Yes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Wow, he was only seventy-nine. Yeah, he was older than that. Seventy-nine, right? Seventy-nine, yes. Uh yes, yeah, seventy-nine. He was born in uh, he was born in forty-four. So, but yeah, so he's um. But yeah. So basically he had been sick for a while. They kind of figured it was coming. Yeah. So uh but yeah, RIP um and uh known as a hardcore legend, uh former NWA champion, part of the famous Funk family along with Dory a singer yeah. and of course his brother Dory Jr.
3: Yeah.
1: Uh uh, Dory's older, right, or younger?
0: I think Dory's older. Uh, he's still alive. Yeah, he's still alive. I'm not. I'm not sure. Dory used to have a training school, the the Funking Dojo, okay. <laughs> or the Funking do- Dojo and Conservatory, oh, wow. but. Uh, Yeah, so he um but yeah, so Terry's been Terry made his debut in nineteen sixty five. So he's he's been around a while. Yeah. Uh yeah. technically he technically he wrestled his last match in twenty seventeen.
1: So Yeah, he wrestled a
0: long
3: time.
0: Yeah. Almost sixty years, right? Almost fifty years, yeah. Wow. So, um, he start, you know, started his career in 1965. He was working for uh, his father's Western States promotion in Amarillo, Texas, which Amarillo is where the Funk uh, is where the Funks grew up. You know, the famous Double Cross Ranch. You know, because all ranches have names. <laughs> Uh, and uh, him and Dory were a him and Dory obviously were a uh, a tag team yes. for uh, the majority of their career, especially uh, the majority of Dory's. And what's
2: funny is a lot of people look at Dory as the guy, you know? Yeah, well, they're both.
0: By the way, they they both did win the NWA title. Yeah, and they're both Hall of Famers, too. Yeah, but, and they got put in the Hall of Fame and the WWE Hall of Fame together. Yeah.
2: To me, I'll always be more of a Terry guy because Terry, uh, he means so much to wrestling with... Not only, like, people say, like, he originated hardcore, which I don't know if I would go that far, but he was definitely one of the catalysts of it. And his character being this, like, rough, rowdy Texan, and, this, and like, it, it's not like... Stan Hansen's that different, you know? Yeah. And it's not like there wasn't other shit, but Terry just had a, a unique sense about him to where uh, he had this derangedness. To me, I always, like... And not just because they hung out with each other so much, but he really is like the Mick Foley before Mick Foley. Kind of like just the, the perfect, like, guy that'll put his fucking body on the line to make sure everybody's entertained. Right. And...
0: Well, and also, too, like, he's... One of those guys that he liked that Southern style of wrestling yeah, That Texas style Because basically anybody that comes from the state of Texas Is a fucking badass But he was also down for whatever He wasn't one of those old school guys That's
2: like, no, you can't Fucking, you can't hit him with a chair You can't do any of that shit, it's not right He was never like that He actually donned in that and was cool yeah. with that And fucking
0: was the ECW champions Right, he wasn't just like
2: Crocker yeah, I
0: ain't gonna fucking do that shit. Yeah, was, that by uh, the way, that's the worst Terry Funk impression, but I tried. But and he would have been talking to Heyman if it's TCW. Yeah, but he, there's something about him that
2: is just so special, and because the comparisons to Mick Foley for me do not stop it. He puts his body on the line. He has this unique sympathy about him, too. To when He he can go good and bad. He's one of those guys that can do both. He's really good heel back in the 80s. But as he got older, he became this, like, baby face because there was this part of him that's like, you don't want to see this old man get beat up. You don't want to see him. You don't want to see the outlaws put him through a table. You don't want to see people fuck him up. And, and you want to see the old man get a win. You want yes. to see the old man do something and win his yeah. out. That was like the big story for Barely Legal, with uh, Raven and Stevie in that match. Right. Was can the old man do it? And there was just something so special about that. Right, and and that's
0: one of the things too. Like with his, because a lot of people, like especially a lot of people here in Philly, all they remember is the ECW run. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of older people, which wasn't even necessarily that long. Yeah. It started. Well, I mean, because he was kind of in and out. So, like, in 93, when the promotion started, he kind of got brought in. uh, And I forgot who even – I don't know if Eddie Gilbert – because Eddie Gilbert was the one that really was starting ECW, him and Todd Gord. And, like, they were just kind of bringing in guys that really didn't have – that really didn't have anywhere else to go. So – they got him in and then like ninety four like Bischoff stole him from ECW, brought him into WCW, but then that didn't last. And then uh I think in ninety five Terry actually was uh doing some stuff still with ECW but he was also he was working that IWA Japan.
3: Yeah.
0: Doing the deathmatch shit. So he's doing that and then like ninety sixes, ninety seven. That's when he started doing more of the ECW because he was working with like Tommy Dreamer. Like he was a mentor to a lot of the younger talent. Who like yes, it was a you know ECW was that hardcore style, yeah. but he was mentoring people that love the wrestling business.
3: Yeah,
0: like Tommy Dreamer, like you know Buell McGillicuddy, uh. He was uh like almost kind of a, like a mentor to like a Stevie Richards and you know, Raven kinda, you know. On screen? Well, off screen. Okay. He was he was that veteran presence back there that would help Heyman kind of motivate everybody. Yeah. Because like, Heyman would give that, you know, Reverend Jim Jones, you know, drink the Kool Aid speech. Yeah. Uh, and that
2: like... That beyond the Matt movie, he's like the star of it in my eyes. And like, it's about Jake, too, and it's about some
0: other things in the WWF as a whole. But what? What are you going to... Well, no. Well, and you pretty much said it. Like, you know, WWF as a whole and when they followed Mick.
2: Yeah, so there was a couple different... But to me, Terry was always kind of the... He, he had the most screen time in that thing. And he just... He was the star of it. And him and barely legal and the whole story to that and him winning the belt and just the excitement in the arena. Like that's you getting to see
0: ECW finally make it for a night. Almost. Right. And he's like a catalyst to that. Right. And then they also followed like when he was going to have like his, you know, 58th retirement match with Bret Hart. Yeah. And his buddy that he wanted to
2: referee or whatever. Yeah,
0: Dennis Stamp, who is a uh, old time, uh, AWA, uh, AWA jobber. He's like, I'm not booked. Yeah, I that. I'm not booked, Terry. It's like, dude, you haven't been booked in ten years. Just come. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, like Terry. Well, Terry was the star of Beyond the Mat, as like the the feel good story.
2: Yeah, because everything else was ass around them. Yeah,
0: because because it was Jake's drug addiction. It was Mick going too far. Yeah, exactly. So, and, like, so Terry was kind of that, like, middle ground is like, okay, this isn't just, like, this isn't Dark Side of the Ring before Dark Side of the Ring was a thing.
2: Yeah, and the great thing about that movie is that you got a bunch of different sides of the wrestling business, and you got to see, like, an old guy on his last, like, legs, like, get ready to retire. And they put it in the video, Terry returned, like, two weeks later or something like that, (laughs) because, of course, he didn't retire. And he was one of the first older guys I saw that were like that, that now every, like Ric Flair, every, but nobody wants to let go. But he was like that first case of that, the older guy
0: that's like, no, nah, I ain't done yet.
2: Right. And he would always come back for something. And Chainsaw Charlie always is a fun moment, yeah. place to Well,
0: we are going to get to that in a little while, but before we do. Uh... I'm getting to the shit I know right now. Yeah. And I'm just saying I like Chainsaw. Right. Uh, well, do you want to talk about it? At... No, we can get into it. Later. Yeah. Well, because I was just going to say, I was just going to bring Eric in for a quick minute because, yeah. like, he hasn't said anything in 10 minutes because we haven't thrown it to him. Uh, Eric, like, what's your first memory of Terry Funk? I knew, I knew
1: he was at ECW legend, but I think the fir- first time I've seen him was probably late 90s when he, I think that's maybe the first time I've seen him. Really, was when he um, helped me Foley after uh, Undertaker threw him off the,
0: uh, on the song Okay.
1: One of the first memories I remember. Um, cause I didn't really was an ECW hardcore fan, but I knew of it. Because it wasn't really on TV. So, yeah. I, knew, I knew he was an le- ECW legend and hardcore okay. legend. So I, so, I didn't see a lot of, of his matches, but I knew he was a legend. Right.
0: I, I My first kind of introduction to him was, like, in WCW in the late 90s when he was doing the shit with Flair. Because, like, even though I was only, like, three or four years old, I kind of, like, because WCW was always on TV, like, you kind of knew, like, you could... It, You know, three, four years old, you kind of have vivid memories. You know, like you kind of do of uh, Attitude Era Day. Like, you know, three, four years old, you kind of remember the stuff from like 2000, 2001. I mean, you remember it better when we're watching it, when it's on Peacock. Yeah. Like if we have to review it for the show. A
2: lot of that was like, because that was the era where we had VHS tapes. Yeah. So it's really like 2005, 2006, but I'm watching shit from 2001.
0: Yeah. Uh, And, like, so, like, with me, it was, I kind of remember, like, him doing, like, him talking all the time. Because for the longest time, even after he uh worked, after, you know, he had the, the match with Flair, the I Quit Match with Flair, where the stipulation actually was that, you know, the loser technically had to quit wrestling which Terry didn't know before, you know, before he lost the match. Because, you know, he was like, all right, well, what are we going to do now? And Jim Hurd basically said, oh, you lost the match. You're retired. It's like, what? So <laughs> they kept him on, on commentary. And then he actually uh, had, and then they actually put him in a booking committee. Uh, for WCW, because there was a lot of shakeups. You know, Ric Flair was the head booker beginning of 1990, and by February of 1990, would Flair actually quit the booking committee on his birthday? Because he's just like, I can't wow. fucking take it anymore. Uh, if nobody fucking murders Jim Hurd, I, I, like that, I'm quitting the booking committee, because I can't work with the son of a bitch anymore. Because he kept, you know, lying to him and all that shit. And Cornette was actually willing to fucking kill him. Like, uh, you know, rumor has... Well, not even a rumor. Cornette has even said that he, the way he was actually going to quit was he was actually going to barge into Jim Hurd's office with, a, with an unloaded gun pointed to him and say, if you don't give me my fucking release now, I'm pulling the trigger.
3: Jesus Christ.
0: And Bobby Eaton said to him, he goes, Jimmy, as many people... With as many people that hate that fucking moron, don't you think that maybe he's afraid of that and might actually have a real one in his desk drawer? (laughs) And and Corny looks at him and says, Bobby, you make a good point. Never mind. (laughs) Uh, But like with Terry, so when Terry was on the booking committee, he just like, he had all these ideas, but he was always afraid to speak up because he saw how Flair was getting treated. He saw how Cornette was getting treated. So he's just like, I ain't gonna say shit. I'm just gonna fucking whatever they say, even if it's horse shit, I'm just gonna fucking agree with it. Yeah. And then when my contract's up, I'll fucking go back to Japan or some shit. Yeah. Or I'll go back on the f I'll go back on the farm farm and take care of my horses. <laughs> uh which that used to be when he would no show an event. Yeah. Uh, or like when he didn't feel like doing business, he would call, I got to stay home. My horses are sick. Yeah. Uh, and no, you know, for anybody listening, no, Terry Funk did not voice Goofy, <laughs> even though that's what I'm making him sound like.
1: Sound like Paul Heyman. Or not Paul Heyman, Paul Bearer.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> they did. They did oh yeah they're getting into a fight up there now like because they're listening to this they're like you're making me sound like you you fat piece of me <laughs> so anyway uh but yeah that used to be that used to be terry's like excuse he would call and say i can't come to work my horses are sick
3: that's funny
0: Of uh, and that used to be the rib for the longest time uh and so like Certain people would, you know, call and they'd say the same thing. Uh, like Dennis Condry used that excuse once before.
3: Really?
0: Yeah, when he didn't want to show up a loser leaves town match when it was midnight versus midnight. Uh He called and said, "My horses are sick." And what do these fucking assholes got horses? Too. Well, and Cornet's just like Dennis. You live in Denver in an apartment. <laughs> Like, you don't have horses. uh. But, like, but Terry Funk was kind of a trendsetter. And Terry, like, but yeah, like, my first, you know, impressions of him, like I said, are WCW. And then, you know, as I got older, I remember when he went back to WCW in 94 to kind of do a feud with Dustin Rhodes. And he teamed up with Bunkhouse Buck to take on Dusty and Dustin at a Clash. And I just remember uh, – because the whole feud technically centered around Carrie's hatred for Dusty. So, Dusty's just like, you know what? I'm coming out of retirement. I'm going to be your partner, Dustin, because these guys are targeting you because of me. And so, like, I kind of remember that. And then, like, I remember uh, Dusty ended up getting a uh, – or. Funk ended up getting a uh, a role on Thunder in Paradise. Uh, you know, Hulk Hogan show. Yeah. Uh, but those are like the earliest memories of Funk that I can remember.
3: Yeah.
0: Now, you know, you talked earlier, Daniel, Attitude Era. Everybody remembers him coming out of the box Yeah. as Chainsaw Charlie on the last Raw of 1997. And I kind of remember... I remember that show fondly because uh, you know, at Nan Papa's house, you know, so happy I was getting to watch wrestling and it was, you know, the night after Starrcade so you didn't know what was going to happen. I think, you know, uh, Nitro always started at eight. Raw started at nine. And like, I just remember like they said, oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Goldust is going to kick off the kick off that episode of Raw and Austin even technically was not even really still medically cleared to do like a full match yet. Yeah. So they did that segment where Goldust came out as Baby New Year and then Austin lowered a, p- a porter potty down into the ring that said Crapper
2: 316. Yeah. So like uh, it's... Just the poop jokes, man. Yeah. And
0: yeah. then like later on, like when Terry Funk, when it was, I forgot who even uh, Cactus, because Mick came out as Cactus Jack.
3: Yeah.
0: I forgot uh which one of the outlaws he wrestled, but then when Terry Funk sawed through the box uh because Jim Cornette always said, If you put somebody in a box they'll get over. Yeah. Uh and a chainsaw came out and like they had the payment as but they're like they called him Chainsaw Charlie and Jim Ross is even saying that's Terry Funk with pantyhose on his head. Uh but so like what are you Daniel what are you like m- your fond memories of uh Funk's uh WWF Attitude Era run as you know Chainsaw Charlie and Terry Funk Well the first memory
2: I remember of him was on your Royal Rumble DVD that you got back in the day of all the Royal Rumble matches up to that date <laughs> the anthology set set right Yes and I remember watching the 98 one and see, uh, and being like who the fuck is first of all who's Tom Brandy and then also who's this guy with a chainsaw yeah and uh people still don't know who Tom <laughs> <Brandy> I <is>. know <laughs> <laughs> there was he brought a different flavor that I think they needed at the time it's not the best facet of his career to me I mean looking back at it now chainsaw charlie really it wasn't it was just like another crazy guy to be alongside Cactus. To me, if you would have brought him in as Terry Funk and just had those two together, it could have done the same business, if not more. And it might have meant more with the outlaws beating the shit out of him as much as they did. But him coming out with the chainsaw without the blade on, fucking just being this, like, it was clearly, like, supposed to be like a Texas chainsaw massacre thing a little bit. Yeah. But also, like, just this crazy fucking dude. Like it really wasn't a character. So like, let's just give fuck a chainsaw. But it was fun because he made it in his own and he was being crazy and he was having fun with it. It was like, cause this was after the retirement thing that we talked about or one of them. And he was just having fun. It seemed like at, at that point he was, he would get to the point where he was getting older and he was having fun. And a lot of, yep. obviously him and fucking Mick getting thrown in the
0: dumpsters is a big deal right when they got pushed over the edge by the which got the outlaws over yeah by that, the, by the way that was a big deal yeah cuz that actually got them that actually got them the main event spot at uh, at no way out of texas
3: yeah
0: you know back when before they just called it no way out it was in houston so uh it was you know they said all right no way out of texas uh then of course they shortened it to no way out because you know it didn't necessarily sound uh cool when you if they hold a pay-per-view in cheyenne wyoming and you say no way, no out, way of out no way out of cheyenne uh but uh there's probably a joke there right? yeah there, there's
2: one in my head but
0: yeah. no, but terry funk especially
2: in the attitude era he always had that sense of the old guy that's like helping out everybody. Yeah. And even it, like like you said, it got the outlaws over. Him and Cactus really got the outlaws over. Right. <clears throat> when they were getting over it on the Legion of Doom, it really just felt like this is kind of sad. But when it was happening to Mick and Chainsaw, it felt like good television.
0: Right. And that's the funny thing is that like, and then, you know, Funk did the thing after, which I, uh, Cactus, Jack, and Chainsaw Charlie is my favorite Attitude Era tag team. All right. And I know there was like quite a few of them or whatever, but I loved it when the two of them were together. I was sad to kind of see it end. Because yeah. uh, I didn't, really didn't know what they were going to do with Funk after. Yeah. Uh, but then um, when they went and did the deal where Funk then started teaming with Two Cold Scorpio. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's another funk, and it's like, Well, you're not calling him Flash Funk, you're calling him Too Cold Scorpio. But and then they kinda toyed with the idea of calling him Too Cold Funk. Yeah. And it's like but to me that was kind of a cool tag team. It was an odd couple pairing, but yeah. it was fun. And it worked for the time they were gonna do it and then they changed it to Fuck, you know, we're gonna put Scorpio with Farouk Farouk Because yeah, we've got nothing for Farouk to do right now, so let's put the two of them together, yeah. which lasted all about six, seven weeks. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Funk, we'll put him right now with Bradshaw and Dustin Runnels, because they're all from Texas. So, like, we got the Texas trio. <laughs> and then, but then Funk was just like, you know what? Uh, I've done everything I can do here. You know, uh, so I'm just, when he did the, and we covered like his last match in the WWF at that point when we did the Fully Loaded, yeah, Fully Loaded uh, yeah. 98 when him and Bradshaw lost to Scorpio and Farouk. and Farouk. And uh, you know, how Bradshaw kind of turned on Terry at the end, and then Terry went <laughs> back to ECW you know, and actually feuded with Tommy. So Terry went back into ECW as a heel, took on Justin Credible as his new protege. Yeah. But, like, with Terry, he's one of those guys who he likes working with younger talent, and he's one of those, he won't necessarily argue if he if he believes it's the right thing to do.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yes, you know, I just said, you know, when he doesn't want to do things, he'll call and say his horses are sick. Yeah, but he's not a diva. Right. uh And there was a story, and it was actually told to us, well, I mean, I already kind of knew the story anyway, because, like, Bruce Richards told it on his show many times, but we, we, were, we were told the story when we, last time we had Barry Horowitz on, of the 93 Survivor Series. When we were covering 95 and 93 got brought up, because I Uh, because Barry was part of that. Yeah. Uh, You know, when Shawn Michaels teamed up with the Knights to take, uh, he had three Knights to take on the Hart family, because originally it was supposed to be uh, uh, Jerry Lawler teaming up with the Knights, because it makes sense, you know, the King and his Knights to take on the Hart family. But Jerry Lawler, you know, because Jerry Lawler likes to go to uh, preschools to pick up dates, You know, he got in trouble. uh. So, um, he had to, you know, go away for a while. And, uh, Shawn Michaels kind of took the spot. Terry Funk was supposed to be one of the Knights. What? Yeah. Terry Funk was supposed to be one of the Knights. They had everything figured out. They were going to bring him in. I don't know who he was replacing because the three Knights ended up being Barry Horowitz, Greg Valentine, and Jeff Gaylord. Yes, that is the guy's name. Uh and I don't know which one he replaced. I think it was I think it was Jeff. Yeah. But the plan was everybody was gonna be unmasked. Kerry didn't want that. He was willing to do the match because nobody was gonna know it was him. But he thought this was such a stupid idea I
2: don't blame him.
0: that you know the fact that he was going to be exposed and they were going to show that he that he was one of the knights He uh, he called preacher my, horses are, my horses are sick again i don't know what's going on i think the wife is feeding them chili something's wrong i got to stay home all right, that'll be it for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Paul Bear is going to haunt my ass. Uh, but like, so oh, uh, they're like, well, Terry, what the fuck? And he's just like, I ain't doing it. Uh, So, but that's like an example of Terry Funk. Like if it sounded like a good idea to him and like he couldn't find like too many holes in the theory he would do it
3: yeah
0: or like like if he felt like he could make it work there's some things he felt like he couldn't make work uh that's why he always kept buying sick horses <laughs> so but uh another thing i, I kind of want to talk about too and i don't think either well i know eric's not going to remember you might if you've ever seen the jerry lawler dvd uh is his feud with Jerry Lawler in Memphis and uh, the Continental Wrestling Association and the empty arena match that they had. Uh, Not ringing a bell? All right. Uh, So they had a feud. You know, Terry Funk was kind of brought in by Jimmy Hart to kind of feud with Lawler. And they were going to do this empty arena match. With empty arena matches back in the day, like, those were basically used as, okay, it's too dangerous for the audience to be here. Yeah. And in the middle of the match, like, Lawler took out Terry Funk's eye to where Terry Funk, you know, gave up. He's like you blinded me. I can't believe you blinded me. How could you go so low? And it's just like you threatened to kill him before he came Uh out. So that's like, but it was such like a blood feud and Terry. Where is this? Memphis.
3: uh,
0: 1981. But like Terry was just one of those guys because Again, back in the territory days, like a lot of those guys would go and work territory to territory, and Terry was no different. Now, like his his first retirement was in 83, then again in 85. He retired in 85, and he also started in the WWF in 85. And yes, Terry was actually in the WWF for a short period of time. Was he with Dory? Yeah, but they called Dory Haas. Would they call Terry? Terry? Why? Uh, I don't know why. Well, first of all, like when you're in the uh, the WWF or WWF at the time, or even in WWE now, they want you to use a name that they can own. Well, yeah, but did they call him the Funk? Oh did yeah, I was, don't, Yeah, yeah, it was Terry and Hoss Funk.
2: That's weird though. Why change
0: names? Well, the story
1: uh, sounds like a girl. Be
0: honest with you. Yeah, I mean that might be yeah. that might be it. Maybe it is. And you know, Dory kind of was a a hoss. Yeah. Okay. And they actually got to work. Dory Funk actually did work at WrestleMania. Really? Yeah, WrestleMania two. They took on. Uh, they were in the L A. portion. They teamed up with, uh, or they teamed up and took on J Y D. and uh, and and Tito Cantana.
3: Oh. When did they first start
1: calling him Haas?
0: What year? Uh, 80. I think they got in in 85.
1: It's a little past the time. I'm thinking of like, what is it? Uh, Ponderosa or one of those old Western TV
0: shows. There was a Hoss on there. Yeah. Oh, okay Yeah. All right. So, yeah, he made his. Terry went in in 85 after a brief run with the AWA, which I kind of have to look that up because I don't remember. I I never thought that Terry would actually like fit into the AWA.
2: Yeah, he doesn't seem to really fit
0: them. Yeah. Uh, so, and then there was like the famous thing where like he made his debut on Championship Wrestling and uh, Terry beat the one uh, jobber Aldo Marino and then afterwards he attacked Mel Phillips because Mel Phillips actually put on Terry's cowboy hat. Oh, shit. So, uh, Terry's just like, okay, uh, fuck that, I'm gonna beat the shit out of you. Um, and then they had another storyline brother with some Jimmy Jack Funk.
2: I remember him.
0: Yeah. Jimmy Hart was managing them. Uh, they worked a match in, in April, you know, at WrestleMania. And then just like three weeks later, Terry... It, I think Terry did a Saturday night's main event where him and uh, Haas, he, him and Dory, teamed up against Hogan and JYD. And then after that, Terry's just, Terry's just like fucking, I'm out of here again. But it's actually funny because Terry was actually there long enough to get an LJN. Oh,
3: okay.
0: Uh, which I remember his LJN. Uh, yeah, because I think I have it upstairs still, maybe.
2: Yeah. Well,
0: we sold it this weekend. Yeah, I was gonna ask you. You have a Terry Funk? Um, Either? Uh, I mean, yeah, I had I mean, the Terry Funk it. LJN. It might actually be in somebody else's house right now, because uh, we sold. <laughs> it might have been one of the figures that, like De- Daniel just said, that we had in a tote that we sold this past weekend in Lehigh Valley.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure if it's not upstairs lying around somewhere.
2: Yeah.
0: But. It it might be gone, but yes, I did have uh, the Terry Funk LJN, uh, which, I mean, the fact that pe- a lot of people can say, like, back in that time, uh, oh, yeah, I had an LJN figure. Like, there's this guy, Ted Arcidi. he was a strong man, right? Yeah. I don't even remember him uh, seeing much of his work in the uh, WWF, except for when he worked the WrestleMania Two Battle Royal. Yeah. He had an LJN. Uh fucking special delivery Jones had two variants. So like everybody got one. Special delivery Jones
2: got one for God's sake. Yeah. Everybody like they made one of him or he bought one. Jesus
0: Christ. Uh
2: they made one.
0: They they made well technically they made two because there was there was the yellow shirt variant. Because, you know, he had the gimmick of wearing a Hawaiian shirt. So they had a yellow shirt variant and they had a red shirt variant. Okay. And I had the red shirt one, I think, for a while, but then I sold it on eBay.
1: Gotcha.
0: Uh, <coughs> but, like, so it's not necessarily – I mean, yeah, like, you could be like, oh, yeah, you know, I was able to – Terry Funk got an L, I got a WWF figure. That was so cool. It's like everybody got one that. Like If the three of us were there back in the mid-80s, we all would have, you know, fucking had one made of us. Yeah. Uh, The only one that never actually got a WWF figure made out of them, and I still don't fucking under... Actually, there's two people that were in the uh, WWF in the mid-80s to early-90s that never had a figure made out of them. Who? Dino Bravo and The Barbarian.
2: I was going to say, I know Dino's one of them.
0: Dino, he might have had, they might have done a uh, Jack's Classic Superstars of him, like, eventually in the mid-2000s. Yeah, I think they did, did one of Barb, but... Uh, I
2: think there's a Mattel Legends of him, actually.
0: Dino? Yeah, I might be wrong. There there might be, but yeah, like, because they, they were both around for that, you know, LJN, Hasbro era. Dino was
2: there for a few years.
0: Though. Yeah, Exactly. They were both there for, like, the LJN and Hasbro era, but neither one of them got one. And it's weird because... Why?
3: No, I'm and,
1: surprised that neither one of them got one.
0: Right. Well, and what's actually funny, and I'll get back to Terry in a second, but the Barbarian was supposed to get an LJN because they had a series planned out The WWF sent them, uh, sent LJN the blueprints to make a a series in like late 89. It was going to be both Bushwhackers, Barbarian, Demolition Smash, uh, another Miss Elizabeth variant, Bad News Brown, and Brother Love. But LJN decided instead of doing that, they were just going to close their toy division. So uh, but uh, yeah, so Barbarian kind of Barbarian kind of got screwed there. He missed out on the $10 royalties he would have got. Yeah, pretty much. I would have bought it. Uh eventually. <coughs> I mean, I don't know if I would have bought it at the time because I was only 3 and I really wasn't making that much. <laughs> uh, but uh but but back to Funk is that like Funk and I'm pretty sure there's gotta be because Funk probably has a Mattel Legends. There's gotta be a Mattel Legends chance Terry out, out there, right? Yeah. Either there's that, at that least or Terry. I know there's a or, at a, uh, or at least a or at least a Jacks Classic. Yeah. Because remember, like they did the Jacks Classic Superstars too. Yeah, they did. So, but there's gotta be a bunch. Well, because Mattel Legends are coming out with all sorts of. Uh, all sorts of ones now and it, it's a, it's amazing like what they're actually you know what they actually come up with because some of their yeah, the figures
2: are like, fucking beautiful
0: yeah well, like and we have like quite a few of them that were you know that we try to sell uh like but every time they get the idea and they do like the mattel legends in the moments and all that uh and like i said pretty sure that there's one for that there's a couple for Terry because they had enough to go on Uh but figures uh, like when you capture figures of like specific moments those are really cool and so like I would love to see like if I can ever like find a uh, you know either Mattel Legend or Jack's Classic you know Terry Funk any kind I would more than likely get it and, you know try to flip it Uh so I think another part of Terry's run, we kind of have to talk about. uh, Well, actually, before we get there, we should probably talk about his most successful run, which was ECW when he won the title at that barely legal April 13th, 1997. Uh, And the funny part about that is it was ECW's first pay-per-view. And yep. they had all the you know, they wanted to make it special. The three way match was supposed to be Sandman, Stevie Richards, and Tommy Dreamer, but Tommy Dreamer gave the match to Terry because I think the stipulation was Terry was going to retire again if he didn't win if he didn't win the title. He won the three way match against Sandman and Stevie. Raven comes in, like they have the like you know, five, six, seven minute match. Terry wins. They do like a short celebration and then they have to cut the pay-per-view because the transmission feed was about five seconds away from blowing up. Cause you were only allowed like a certain, like, you're only allotted like a certain amount of time yeah. on pay-per-view. And then yep. like when the, uh when you're done, like when it's time for you to go off the air, You are basically uh, like the transformer is going to blow. Like it's going to blow, and then you're going to be cut off the air. Like there's no overrun on a pay per view.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, Nope. So, but they did that. But Terry got his moment, and then did either one of Uh, you? Barely legal. Yeah, and barely
2: legal. That moment was beautiful. And if you want to ask your question first, you can. I just. Uh, The beautiful part of that is just seeing the story and I don't want to keep referencing that one movie because I've seen the pay-per-view as a whole and you feel the magic in that without even seeing the behind the scenes shit. Uh, That pay-per-view and what it represents of the underdogs and people with no money and fucking just, we're going to make something an alternative and and Terry kind of being the older guy that has wrestled Ric Flair in the main event for the world title and has done all these old school things too. And as an old school legend, it's like, you guys are good. And he's kind of the gatekeeper. Like he's the master splinter. Like you guys are doing the right thing. Fucking You guys are making a genuine product that people are rabid for and really enjoy. Do your fucking thing. And I'm going to help hone it in. And the fact that he got the belt and he got the special moment and the tears in his eyes, and Paul in the back. And you see Paul's face during that, in, in that movie. And fucking Paul's like, dude, I can't, this is all them. I, like, he's speechless. And Paul Heyman is never fucking speechless. No. But that was the one of the, probably still the biggest win he's ever gotten. Even though he's done all this crazy shit. And I know me saying that's like, oh my God. Because he's done so much big shit. But This man has been in the corner of how many WrestleMania main events. But he's just that that moment and i don't think the moment exists without terry i don't think if you have tommy and maybe t- this is the time to, even though that doesn't work for the storyline tommy going over on raven but it, whatever sandman whoever and they win the belt i don't think it's the same magic that it is right. like because it's like it's the underdog promotion we made it we made a pay-per-view like people are watching and buying this holy fucking shit and it's also like this legend is getting his due and like people are given his, the pet on the back he deserves. We're finally getting to see an old guy praised, besides Ric Flair. Right. And, and I'm sorry. I love Ric Flair. And you guys don't, but I think we can all agree that out of all the old timers and legends that you can give love to and, and favor to and TV time and fucking respect to Ric Flair has gotten the most out of anybody ever. Right. Maybe especially Hulk Hogan because Hulk's been on the outs at times. Rick's never been on the outs. So there's a, they can always oh let's do a raw where we celebrate Rick Or let's do a twenty fifth like they always will take a, a moment to fucking clap for Rick and I'm I love Rick I'll clap for Rick there's nothing wrong with that but the it was fun to see somebody that's not like a Terry Funk like an old school legend that you really got to know your shit to know Terry Funk but if you know him you know he's a fucking legend see him
0: get his respect and his appreciation and his moment right and here's another thing about that match right. Oh, well, the, the match where he had to win to get into the, into the title match with Sandman and Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards has told the story. Which
2: was a better match, by the way.
0: Yeah. Stevie Richards told the story on, I think, on the ECW DVD. He went to Terry, like, right before they did the match. And he goes, why am I in this? Like, Terry, like, Sandman has been one of our main eventers for, like, the last two, three years since this company started almost. You're a legend. I'm a nobody. Why am I in this? I don't belong here. Yeah. And Terry looks at him and I'm not going to do the impression. I promise. Yeah, don't
2: do the impression.
0: Terry goes, you're here because you are a part of the story. You and Raven, you know, go way back. You're buddies. You used to be his right-hand man. You deserve to be in this. You need to be in this. And I want you in this. That's fucking awesome. Because you are very important to the story and to this company. That's,
2: see, that's a sweet... That's Out of all the gatekeepers uh, of all the people that fucking... It ain't as good as it used to... Be, all those... Yeah. Thank God for Terry Funk. People like Terry Funk. that are like I give and I like Stevie. Right to censor I still say is one of the more underrated acts in the Attitude era. Uh he didn't really like one of the better mid carders. Yeah. Undercard. Like one of the better undercard mid card guys. But that's kind of his legacy. But on that night Stevie was pretty on fire. (laughs) Now, again, he was the
0: first one eliminated in in the three-way dance. But he still did his shit. Yeah, but he he was still there and he was very important to the story that was being told. Terry was right. Because the story was... He's not wrong, though, to be honest. Like, you could have done... You needed
2: him for the Raven connection, but I think if you do an opener with Sandman and Terry Fuck, I don't think people are complaining. But right. I do think, he, like, I'm glad he was in it for yeah. the connection to Raven.
0: Well, uh, yeah, because that match was actually, like, if you go through that pay-per-view, and, and you see a lot of the matches that are on there, and I've talked about it before, back when I did the Rain Man show with Anthony, we actually watched the show because it was on the, uh, we did the show on the anniversary, we're barely legal, I actually turned 21 like on the 21st anniversary, because he's like, we got to do barely legal on the day that it finally turns legal. And it's like, that it paper was never legal. Uh, <laughs> but, uh so we did it and then we're going through all the That's matches and all that. With- and I even remember saying at that point that a lot of those matches kind of sucked. Like Shane Douglas and Pitbull number two went 20 minutes, should have only went five. Yeah. It fucking sucked, Right. And there was a couple of other matches on there where it's just like, yeah, yeah, not bad. That three-way dance was one of the better like triple threat matches that there's ever going to be. Yeah. Because there was a lot of a stuff. Because ECW, for as much of the gratuitous violence that that company has or had, they could tell a story.
2: And the main event is just Terry and and Raven, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just Terry and Raven. I mean, there was a lot of stuff. And it was a good match. It was a good match. But that, you're right. That three-way dance kind of made the pay-per-view. Yeah. Like, it
2: was nice. And it made you want to see the net. Like, oh, my God, Terry might do it. Can you beat Raven? But yeah. That, it was a great story. And it really. But that three-way dance almost, like, was better than the main event to where it set that up to fucking. And Stevie was a big part of that. And Sandman was. No one is ever comparing Sandman to fucking Kurt Angle and Nick Bocklin But that man
0: could put on an entertaining fucking match and an entertaining show. And he was uh, a crucial part to the story, too, because of the whole storyline that he had with Raven that was concerning his son.
2: Yeah.
0: Right. His son and his ex-wife when they turned on him and went with Raven. Yeah. So it's just like, okay, he needed to be part of that. And Terry was in it because, you know, Tommy Dreamer gave up the spot because Terry wanted one last shot at glory. Yeah, you know that one last dance with glory that everybody already talks about it really is if you do a deep dive and like take away the porn stars
2: getting put through tables and the fucking mass transit incident and fucking like just like mag gratuitous violence that people think of when they think ecw there's a lot of well-told stories like that yeah. That is a well-developed main event world title story that was done very well and had a beginning, middle,
0: and end and a great payoff. Right. Because even like Paul Heyman has talked about before, he says like, look at the stories that we, yes, we've done a lot of stupid, stupid shit. All right. And I let a lot of that go because I thought stupid shit was what the, what the nineties were mostly about which he's not wrong well yeah paul's always been an entertainer
2: and the new social media gener like everything that people do now they took from paul yeah in the cutting edge like fucking fucking do whatever the fuck like we're gonna put this out because we know the people are gonna like it paul kind of started that shit. yeah but like paul was
0: always just like if paul would always tell everybody be like look they think that we're just gonna be like gratuitous violence so let's still be violent but let's tell Let's make sure that there's a story in there. Yeah, Let, like the Dreamer Raven thing was a story. Yeah, and that was more of like a TMZ fucking, and that's the fun
2: thing. You had like crazy reality TV, trash TV type storylines in ECW, but you also had like emotional, heartfelt, can the legend do it storylines with Kerry yeah. Terry Funk thing. And There was a balance more than people realized.
0: Exactly, and like Terry Funk doing the thing, uh, you know, Cause he was really that guy who uh, he believed in a lot of the younger guys. Like there's a story out there, uh, and uh, Tom Pritchard or not Tom, uh, the the goofy one that sucks him into off all the time. Bruce, uh, he tells the story in the Brawl for All episode of his podcast. Terry Funk went to Bruce Pritchard and said, you know who's going to win this stupid fucking thing, right? He goes, well, who do you think, Terry? He goes, start gun. He goes, why do you think that, Terry? He goes, because he's a Texan, and he's pissed that he's in something stupid like this. Yeah. So he is going to knock everybody the fuck out. And, you know, first round, he didn't knock out Bob Holly. But then, like, because they put Dr. Death against him in in that second round because everybody was, you know, we'll just get it out of the way. Because Bart even said he's like, save Doc and I for the final. It's a good final. Oh, no, we'll just get this out of the way now. Because everybody's just like, oh, Doc's going to beat him. Like, JR's like, oh, yeah, Doc's my boy. He's going to beat him. You know, we're going to set him up for a program with Steve Austin. And when Bart Gunn called Bruce Pritchard and said, am I going to get in trouble? Why would you get in trouble, Bart? He goes, because I'm going to knock Doc out. What do you mean? He goes, am I going to get in trouble for knocking Dr. Death out? And Bruce is like, no, you're not. Mainly because he thought it wasn't going to fucking happen. So when he knocked Doc out, well, yes, Doc got injured in the process. But when he knocked him out, Terry Funk was in the back going, I told you. I told you he was gonna hurt people. I told you he was gonna knock people out. Uh he's like, I you should have listened. And then, you know, when uh when he Bart won the brawl for all, you know, Terry Funk had already left, right? He had already left the company. He called somebody. I think he called Bruce and said, who did I say was going to win this thing? Yeah. He's like, you said it was going to be Bart. He goes, I told you. <laughs> now, they didn't do anything with him, obviously. And we've talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. But it's just like Bruce, or not Bruce. Bruce is an well, idiot. Well, Terry could know a tough guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I feel like... We should also kind of dive into uh, a little bit his film career.
2: We can. I want to tell one more wrestling story. Yeah, go ahead. So I don't lose it. Uh, Hell in a Cell, when Mick does the thing, just because – because Eric mentioned him coming out, and he was, but how big of a deal he was to that is actually, like, huge, because he's the – like – Mick tells it himself of them sitting in the locker room talking to each other and Terry being, or him being like, dude, I want to make this thing special. I don't know. Like there's been cage matches. Like I know there's a hell in a cell, but how do we make this thing crazy? And Terry's like, you can start on top of the cage. (laughs) And then then they just went from there. Yeah. And and that fucking one statement caused probably the reason they made that fucking top 50 OMG moments, the reason like, yeah. on every highlight reel ever, the one moment you're always going to see, if you think of McFoley, you think of his big ass getting fucking hopped off a cage. Everybody remembers that one moment. And it kind of started with Terry saying, you could start at the top of the cage. Yeah,
0: and I'm pretty sure Terry Funk has not been allowed in McFoley's house ever since. Because I'm pretty sure Mick's wife said, you got to quit talking to him.
2: They're always going to be good friends. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love those two and those two's connection. Yeah. And like, cause Mick's had a couple of bromances and his bromance with like rock I'll, I can deal with. I never, I know him and El Snow are real life friends, but the chemistry on screen never worked for me. But him and it's like, I know, and I know I'm not talking to the biggest Ric Flair fans except for Eric, but if, if you fucking, it's like when you see Rick and Roddy come go out in public together and you're like, that makes sense. Yeah. Those are two fucking, that makes sense. They're probably having a good time drinking martinis and hitting on all the chicks. When you see Terry and Mick, like, walk into a bar or something, it just feels right. It's like, those are two guys that feel like they would hang out. <laughs> like, it makes sense that they have that genuine connection. Like, brothers. Yeah, it, it always, and him being that mentor to Mick, and Mick kind of, and I wish they could have done that right with, like, Mick, maybe with Moxley or something like that, like, passing, but the, they never really could do it, but yeah. Terry was the perfect guy to be there for Mick. It's like, you're the
0: next crazy bastard now that I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Well, they were they kind of yeah. did that with Moxley when he was Ambrose, because like when Moxley started when they started, yeah, they doing,
2: tried it. I, I'm not saying they didn't try yeah. it, but it didn't work.
0: Right, like because when like Mick gave him the the bat and then Terry gave him the chainsaw, yeah. and then they were supposed to do another segment, but Stan didn't. Stan Hansen didn't want to be on TV, yeah, because no. they were going to do a segment where he was going to hand John the bull roll, yeah, and. It, Instead, he's just like, wait till I come out for Hall of Fame. Like, I'll just do that. And uh, he didn't want to be on TV, so it kind of, like, killed everything, like, right then and there. But, so, I feel like, because Terry does have some film roles. One of the ones I remember him the most for, and I actually just saw this a few weeks ago, well, for, like, the 20th time, Roadhouse. He was in the movie Roadhouse. One of the best movies ever? Yeah. Uh, He basically played one of the guys that... Roadhouse. Yeah. Uh, Patrick
2: Swayze, right? Yes. Roadhouse. Who was in there? Terry Funk. Okay. Uh,
0: Who did he play? He played a character named Morgan. So he was one of the bar guys that was, uh, like, really rowdy at the Double Deuce. Yeah. And... uh, he was, like, uh, one of the guys that had to be tamed. And he was working for uh, the guy, um, the millionaire or whatever. Oh, the
1: bad guy? Yeah, the
0: bad guy. And, uh, I mean, he ended up dying at the end. But
2: that's, like, I really. I didn't know he was in that movie. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was in the house Yeah. <laughs> Let's go.
0: And here's actually what. I'm looking at it right now. I don't know. You might not even know this. He was in The Ringer. Really? Yeah. Played a character named Frankie.
2: He's done some shit.
0: Yeah. And then he was also, and Sharon, I, I'm bringing this up because Sharon, I think you you've told me you've liked this show. He was in The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. Was he? Yeah.
1: I didn't know that. The yeah, pi- I used to love that show. The
0: pilot. He was the uh, he was a defendant.
1: That
0: is funny. So, uh, the man's a legend.
2: Yeah. And obviously, and film, he, like, he's done some cool shit. And it's, it's just like, it's cool to say like the career of Terry Funk. And like, just talking about the shit he's done is cool. Like, yeah, he was in that quit match with Ric Flair. He was in roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. He fucking, he, he told Mick to go on top of the cage. Like, He's just one of those badass guys but also there's a sense of like he's just a like a good, honest dude, too. There's just something about Terry Funk to where he just seems like the sweetest yeah. fucking guy. Yeah. Maybe it's the way he talks. You tried your best. But he fucking <laughs> he just he, he has a quality about him to where you kinda just want to like give him a hug and like, you alright, bro? <laughs> like is everything all right? Like and he him retire and being that legend and Mick followed in his footsteps or retiring fifty two times and coming back. And and never really hanging it up because you love the game and you, I never blame those guys. I will yeah. never talk shit. I understand when you love something so much. Why would you want to give it up? But uh,
0: one other one other thing that I do have to bring up, and you might remember this because I'm pretty sure you watched the pay per view with Bob and I. Yeah. Eric might not because this might be like way before he even knew that this place was a, was a thing. Yeah, TNA. When they did the Wednesday night pay-per-views. Yeah, he was there. Uh, and he did the match. Like, he got brought in as one of Sandman's one of Sandman's partners to take on The Gathering. Yeah. Which was led by James Mitchell. Oh, it was Julio yeah. De Niro and this other guy who kind of became something. Uh, this guy, you know, you might have heard of him named CM Punk.
2: Yeah. He uh, did all right.
0: He well, yeah, DM he did stuff. all
2: right. He's a uh, little bitch, but he did <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh he's gonna be on that. they're gonna reboot Designing Women and put him on. Uh he's gonna <laughs> play Delta Burke's old character. He's a <laughs> uh he's a pussy. Yeah. Tell me what I'm telling lies.
2: So, uh, Stupidest uh promo. That he yeah. had, that,
1: that fired from
2: two promotions. Yeah. Probably he quit one. He got fired from one
0: promotion twice.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so uh, they did a thing, you know, Terry Funk came in, but Sandman got taken out. And then Terry Funk comes out, does a promo like the following week on the pay-per-view. He says, I made a phone call. I said, I need you, Raven. I need you to come back and be my partner. Yeah. And that might actually be a better Terry Funk impression than what I was trying to do. Yeah, uh, good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so. Good job. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. So he comes out, and we got that pay-per-view where it was Raven and Funk, because I was able to uh, convince Bapa. to be like, look, Raven is teaming up with Terry Funk, and I think we need to watch it. I'm down. Let's do it. He goes, is there anything else of significance that's going to be on this thing? I, I, don't, I don't think so. He goes, all right, fine. We'll just watch it just for that. And the match was actually really good, and like, Funk and Raven won the match but then you know afterwards they branded Terry. Yeah. Uh and all that but like it was one of those things cuz you would never actually expect Raven and Funk. Now again Terry Funk at this time was 60 years old. He had just turned 60. So uh but 60 years old, you know, bleeding and fucking, like, getting hit with his own branding iron, and I think they even took a stun gun to him. They him up. Yeah. Now him and Raven won the match, but <laughs> uh, It was just like, it was cool to see, because even though, you know, he's 60 years old, and he should not be doing half the shit yeah, that he, he was take, doing. he
2: could take damage. He could always take damage. Yeah. He was a brutal motherfucker from the beginning. Yeah. He's one of those workers that'll put it all on the line, and Even more so than Mick, because he was just... He was with the stiffest of the stiff. He was working with... Because he's worked with Stan Hansen before, right? Yeah. And he's worked with a lot of these tough old school guys. He trained
0: Stan Hansen. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) He's a
2: fucking... He's just a wild man. He's a badass. He's just like... He's worked with those stiff yes. guys. He can take the shots, hit them with a the chair, make them bleed. He doesn't give a fuck. He'll do anything to put on the show and make it look cool. And he's just one of those badass guys. And even though he doesn't always seem like it when he's talking and stuff, he's just, there's an aura around him that I don't know. There's similar auras around different guys, but his is different because he's also got that uh, genuine side too. Right.
0: And uh, another thing I'll say hey, is you, that like, uh, actually, yeah, Eric, we really haven't heard much from you, so you go ahead. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna say he's
1: probably one of the most respected um, wrestlers in the industry of all time, and one of the most respected human beings, just, just a human of all time too. I've never heard yeah. anybody say anything bad about Terry Funk.
0: No, it, it never about Terry Funk. I mean, yeah, and, like, interviews when they're supposed to be in character. But, yeah, nobody's ever – I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. Everybody that was lost that week – I've never no, heard like,
2: anything speak of any kind yeah. anybody. Everybody that was lost that week was an absolute sweetheart. Bob
0: Barker, Bray Wyatt, and Terry Funk, I've never heard a bad word say about either of those gentlemen. Yeah. Even even the the, the woman that uh, voiced the, uh, Harley Quinn and Batman, the original series. Yeah, I've never heard or of Batman that. Or Batman, the animated Batman. series, I mean. She's a legend, too. Yeah. uh, But, like, also, too, you talk about how Terry's always putting on a show, you know, th- that TNA pay-per-view at the old asylum, which was a, a fairgrounds which you probably fit, like, 500 to maybe 1,000 people in the building. And he still did the the shit that he did. He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and tase me. Do whatever you got to do. Get your guys over. And then, you know, two weeks later, Punk and De Niro were off TV for good. But, uh, um, but yeah, no, Terry was, yeah. uh, Yeah, Terry was definitely, definitely a legend. Now, let's, we're going to go ahead. We're going to cut it here because we've done... know our hour yeah Uh, anybody have uh, let's give our final thoughts on the man Daniel I'll start with you
2: Uh, first of all rest in peace to to we've said the word legend a lot and he absolutely is one and a Hall of Famer in every sense of the word and just one of the greatest one of the greatest wild men in wrestling Wild card, wild man, whatever you want to call him, he's just. There was an energy when Terry Funk came out, whether it was in pantyhose and a chainsaw, or it was him with a bull rope, or just him coming out ready to beat some ass. He just, the, when when he came out, he always got a pop from the crowd. He was just this legend that casual fans might not know. See, might not know uh, Terry Funk they might not know his legacy, but if you're in and if you've watched some wrestling and you're a big fan of, uh, and you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a big enough fan that you, you know, Terry Funk, everybody respects him. And there's a reason for that. Uh, like you said, there's never been a bad word about him. There's never been a story or a rib to where like, he was really mean to somebody like you, you, with somebody who worked for like fucking 40 years, 30 years, however long, such a long career, most of his life he spent in a ring. And in the backstage, you've never heard how he started shit or... he's just... He's probably... I don't want to call him a hardcore wrestler, but he's one of the best like fucking... I, I guess I'll just call him a wild card, a wild man. He's the best wild man in wrestling. Right. And his legacy will always live on. I mean, everybody's still gonna want to be like Terry Funk, Moxley. Everybody like that's still the ultimate inspiration is Terry Funk. If you're a Mick Foley fan, you're a low key Terry Funk fan. If you're a Moxley fan, you're a low key like
0: his fingerprints are all over. Right. Ah, very well said, Eric. Let's go to you next.
3: I'll
1: use a different word. I'll use. I'll say this. If you're the, um, Mount mountain wrestler for icons, he's probably on that wrestling icon, wrestler, wrestler's icon, Mount Rushmore. He He's just a, one of the, um most respected, uh, wrestlers, as I said earlier. And he's an icon. And, rest in peace, he'll never be, he'll always be, um talked about, especially in the hardcore English. Hardcore part of uh, wrestling. Even though that's not all he did. He was more than that. More than a hardcore wrestler. He was actually a pretty good technical wrestler too. Before he went, he came in. Before he did the hardcore stuff. Right. Uh... And we can't forget his shit. um, he's, uh, stayed in Japan too. We, we, we didn't mention that, but he was... You know, oh, yeah, I no, he,
0: he was definitely over in Japan. Uh yep. it, it definitely over him and him and Dory both. I mean, and that's where like a lot of the stuff with like Stan Hansen and Bruiser Brody would take place. You know, they worked a lot of tag matches against each other. Uh I'll I'll say I'll say this on him and then well actually first before I say uh before I give my final thoughts, uh let's talk about what we're gonna do next week. Now, does anybody does anybody have any idea like what they want to do or should I just say like what my plan is? Say your plan. What's your plan? I don't have anything in my head right now, but I could later All right. My plan right now is top ten moments and matches occurred angle.
2: Let's
1: do it. All right. I'm down for
0: that. All right. Cool. Uh, I like it. So we'll do that because I had like a couple of uh, pay per views like in mine I wanted to watch, but oh, you know, Big Brother kind of takes up our <laughs> our lives. So uh, yeah. we'll do top ten moments and matches of Kurt next week. All right. So my final thoughts on Terry Funk are this: one of the nicest. But toughest guys out there, yeah. like he, he could be like your, your your father figure, uh you know your you know your mentor, your best friend. But do not piss him off because he will shoot you. Like, uh, he's also known for, oh. Uh, um, you know, also known for playing ribs on people. I, I, well, I'm i going to tell the story real quick because Bill Watts told the story. Uh, one of his ex-wives or, or whatever ex-wife it was at the time, she was fooling around on him. And like she had gotten the house from Terry. So Terry actually broke into the house while she was fooling around with the man she was fooling around with and actually called the police. And said he was, ha- was called nine one one and said he was having a heart attack. So the pol- so the paramedics and the emergency technicians and all that burst down the door because they think a guy's in there having a heart attack and his ex wife is getting it on with it, with her uh, with her new man. <laughs> so like they got interrupted and Terry's just sad. Terry just comes walking out of the room with a smile on his face cuz he caught his ex-wife with her pants down. Yeah. Uh so like do not piss him off, but he is like one of the nicest guys. Uh and he was somebody I enjoyed watching him cuz like he was one of those guys he was hardcore but he wasn't too hardcore. Like there was still yeah. Like there was like this genuineness about him Yeah, and he was very much, I mean, he's going to be missed one of the legends, uh, probably the greatest hardcore legend of all time.
2: Yes. So,
0: uh, that does it for this episode of the unscripted wrestling podcast. Make sure you listen to all of our other stuff. Oh yeah. Tomorrow night seven PM Eastern time for unscripted unlimited. We're gonna be back and we're each gonna have our list for the top ten best big brother villains of all time. So uh
1: it'll be interesting.
0: Yeah I already have my be,
1: number one I think.
0: Yeah. Uh so we'll we'll do that tomorrow night. We'll Kurt Angles top ten moments and matches next next Friday night. Obviously, Daniel and Mindy with Stabcast on Sunday, and then Eric and Clinth with Hard Hits this upcoming week, whatever day they decide to do it. If I missed anything, who cares? Uh, so, this was fun, guys. We'll see everybody next week. I'll talk to both of you guys tomorrow night.
2: Sounds good. Yeah. See tomorrow.
0: Tomorrow. Yeah, you tomorrow.
1: <laughs> see you tomorrow. Love ya. Uh Oh here we go. Bad voice.